You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. I'd like to start this episode out with a little gratefulness. This last Thursday was Thanksgiving, and I have so much to be thankful for this year. I mean, first things first, I got a brand new daughter in March. She's beautiful. She's lovely. She's uh, she's smart already, somehow. And also, funny, I've never seen a kid use eyebrows quite like this one. I mean, I have a new job. I'm in a new location. I'm around some people that I don't hate. Things are pretty good. I mean, but also, Donald Trump is on Twitter. And that's amazing. I'm, I couldn't be happier with that. I've never had a troll in chief before, and by God, I'm enjoying it. You know, also, when I went to go see uh, Joker in the movie theater, I didn't get shot, so that's something to be thankful for. Um, Jeff Epstein's no longer making or catching politicians banging kids on his island, so that's that's a, a huge plus. Um, John McCain, still dead. And, you know, I'll be honest, I think the thing that I'm most thankful for is that Joe Biden is just so fine with putting his senility on full display. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. I'll be your guide as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and boy, do I have some stories for you today. Heck, I think I even have a new section for you. So let's just, let's let's get into this. Uh, first things first, as you know, corporate press is the enemy of the people. Yeah, yeah, you, you've heard me say it. You know it. Moving on. Well, not moving on. This is part of the story. Over the holiday, there's been some report on what Donald Trump is doing during Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't care. Can't imagine caring. What world would I have to live in where I'm like, what is that old man doing over Thanksgiving? I don't know. Can't figure it out. I mean, there was a news article about how he tweets too much the other day. So, I mean, by all means, let's talk about what he's doing on Thanksgiving. Uh, So, political reporter... Jessica Kwong. Uh, I think at this point, she's kind of wishing that she hadn't run with the story that she did, but she wrote this story uh, where she just outright lied about what Trump was doing for for Thanksgiving. She said he was going to be spending his Thanksgiving holidays at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach, Florida, which he calls the Winter White House, and this year's no exception, she said. She said that he's going to be playing golf, tweeting, and more during Thanksgiving. Uh, one problem is he went to Afghanistan and ate ate lunch with some soldiers, but she got caught in a bold-faced lie. And usually, what this means is it's time to cover cover our asses. It's time to to make up some reason why this was up there and blah blah blah. And you know, she kind of apologized, but not really. But as it turns out, even some corporate news. Sometimes you can go too far. And it looks like Newsweek <laughs> Newsweek wasn't su- super happy. Uh, <laughs> when you have the, the President of the United States burning you on Twitter, probably not going to keep your job, even if you hate the President. But yeah, <laughs> of course, Donald Trump tweeted, I thought Newsweek was out of business. 
um, I wanted to move into a couple of other stories that I thought were kind of fun. Uh, one of them being Creepy Grandpa Joe. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, his son Hunter had an illegitimate child that he lied about and said wasn't his. And then the paternity tests came back and said, Uncle Joe's now Grandpa Joe. Real exciting stuff. I'm sure the Thanksgiving table around there was just fantastic. The great thing about Joe Biden is I think at this point, I'm just waiting for him to shit his pants while he's in the middle of a debate. I mean, his his eye popped vessels for God's sake. I mean, the man the man is senile. The man he barely knows where he is half the time. He can't talk. His dentures fall out. I mean, there's there's nothing about this guy that screams real candidate. He he's not going to win. If you had my take on what's going to happen, I would say if things stay as they are with the clown car full of people that the uh, Democrats have right now, I think that it's going to end up being Elizabeth Warren. But I've been praying for this. That's what I really, really want. And I've heard some reports in the background, little little chitterings that, that Hillary Clinton's been, people are begging her to come back and to run. And oh my gosh, please. That's all I want. I mean, the the political process is a dog and pony show. It's it's silly. It's honestly it's like watching sports, and that's what's that's what's fun about it. And nothing could be more fun to me than a rematch between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And I want it. I want it so bad. May or may not happen. I'm hoping it does, but most likely we're ending up with with Warren against Trump, which will be just as hilarious. Um, well, not just as hilarious because there's so much history behind Clinton, but. Hilarious enough. Uh, But creepy Grandpa Joe is at it again with more of his shenanigans. I don't know how the man does it, but the photo ops are just fantastic. I'm I'm looking at this picture right here. So uh, Joe Biden's wife, who uh, Jill, Joe and Jill, too bad his name isn't Jack. Um, Well, that was a dumb thought. Uh, But Jill, she's on the, uh, the, the campaign trail with Joe. And uh, by the way, the tour that they're on, the campaign tour is called the No Malarkey Tour. Could you possibly get more boomer than that? But Jill is up there and she's giving a little speech, drumming up the, well, probably the war drums essentially, but she's, you know, dr- trying to drum up interest in, in, uh, in Joe. And She's she's you know really excited. She's she's using her her hand gestures. I'll put I'll put the uh, a link to this that has the video on it in our show notes. But she she's she's gesturing and she puts her hand back. And this old bastard goes, you know, it would be fun if I bit her finger. And so he just nibbles on the tip of her finger. And it's it's so old, man. It's so I mean I it's, I guess it's not boomer. It's silent generation. But the, okay, silent generation it just doesn't have the same ring to it. He just bites her finger, and you know, there's, it's just, ah, uh, he's he's creepy, is what he is. But nothing gets quite so creepy, I think, as this this little video clip that I found, and uh, I'm gonna play it for you right now. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand, and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn. Uh, um, blonde in the sun and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so I learned about roaches I learned about kids jumping on my lap 
And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. I love kids jumping on my lap. I learned about roaches. So th this, th there's, there's nothing about this little, this little speech talk he's giving that isn't like, okay, someone pinch me. I'm, I'm dreaming. This is, this is beyond strange. So he's talking about his leg hair, how apparently if you push it down, it goes straight. Also, it turns blonde in the summer because we needed to know that that's something that we, we really should be invested in is his leg hair. And so apparently kids would come up and rub down on his legs in the summer. I'm guessing he was sweaty and the, the hair would go down and straight and they'd watch those leg pubes pop right back up as if this was some kind of entertainment. And then, so I just, <laughs> so first off, creepy, who's, Whose parents let their kids go out and rub random white men's legs, leg hairs, and watch how they react to touch and sweat? What? But he, he, says, he says a few things there. He says that he likes it when kids sit in his lap. He said that he knows all about roaches. And, you know, honestly, I saw that clip. I didn't see the whole speech he gave. I have no idea what he meant by roaches. Maybe there was some sort of, I don't know, anecdote about roaches and dealing with roaches or, or something that I just missed completely. It's beyond the point because I get on Twitter and I find that I find that clip and I think it's hilarious. I mean this guy couldn't shoot himself in the foot better. I mean it's like he's aiming. But I see a Hotep Jesus posted and he said, uh, as you know, um roaches is a racial slur, and he was calling those black kids around him roaches. Okay. That's, I mean, okay. If that's true, holy hell. But even beyond that, it's just this man gets in trouble and gets flack for sniffing women's hair, sniffing children's hair, kissing up on kids, and he just busts out one of his corn pop stories about kids rubbing his leg, his leg hair down and then watching it spring back up and oh, good Lord. And how he loves them to sit in his lap. It's just come on, dude. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't make yourself more of a caricature. Like, how, how is that really you? I mean, he has to have dementia or something. I don't know. But the senility is off the freaking charts. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. I think what's funny about that, though, is is this guy is out there crapping the bed, and the Trump impeachment is going on, and people are saying, oh, hey, you know, the, the reason Trump went to Ukraine and tried to get information on the Bidens is because he's so scared of Biden. He knows that Biden's going to beat him. He's going to get elected. He's going to become president, and Trump won't be able to beat Biden, blah, blah, blah. This guy, <laughs> if Trump's taking Joe Biden seriously, uh, that's that's ludicrous. But speaking of, I do think that I should give an update on the impeachment, how I think it's going, the important parts of it. So yeah, here's here's my uh, impeachment, Trump impeachment update. I still don't give a shit. Moving on, Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, or AOC, as the kids like to call her. Uh, she she decided she wanted to take issue with Mayor Pete Buttplug, Buttigieg, 
whatever, who is running for the 2020 presidential candidacy for the Democratic Party. <laughs> he said that he thinks that college should be affordable for everyone, not tuition free. And that's too far. Let me tell you, apparently this is one of the only people on the Democratic stage who's against free college. I mean, I'm against free college, but you know, that should be obvious at this point. Uh, but on Thanksgiving, uh, Buttigieg, uh, his campaign tweeted out a video of him denouncing plans for free public college tuition, saying, I only want to make promises that we can keep. Okay? But that, that didn't sit well with, with Lil AOC. Uh, she sent a barrage of tweets claiming that he was just using GOP talking points. That's this thing that I keep hearing. They need to stop using GOP talking points. Anytime someone says something slightly more fiscally responsible than these people, they go crazy. They are not interested in that. They just want everything to be free. I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid. Here, let, let me read you some of these tweets from AOC. This is a GOP talking point used to dismantle public systems, and it's sad to see a Democratic candidate adopt it. Let's talk about why Republicans are wrong on this. Because she sounds like such a brat, even in her written word. Just like rich kids can attend public school, they should be able to attend tuition-free public college. Here's why. Blah, blah, blah. Um, universal public systems are designed to benefit everybody. Everyone contributes and everyone... I just... Oh, my God. I can't... I can't go through this this garbage. I can't. I can't read it all. You don't want me to read it all. I'm telling you, you you don't. It's so banal. Is that it's just suffice it to say, Lil Miss AOC does not like the idea of anyone saying, "Hey, let's make sure we can pay for this thing uh, before we promise it to people." That's not acceptable. Not to the uh, not to the evangelical left. Not at all. The socialists will not be happy if you go, "Hey, hey, let's make sure um let's make sure we can pay for this before we uh, tell everyone they're gonna get it." Yeah good idea how about we don't give it to anyone let's let the markets be free let's let schools go back to the paradigm where they're actually fighting competing to get students where they have to lower their prices or you know what students don't come where federal student loans aren't guaranteed to every tom dick and harry out there who wants to go to school and become a massage therapist for squirrels i don't know this stuff's all bullshit i'm so tired of college i'm so mad that i went College should go back to the markets. So should high school, elementary school, pre-K, kindergarten, whatever. Everything needs to go back to the markets. It needs to be priced according to what it's worth. Prices need to be based on subjective value. It needs to be, they need to compete for customers. They need to make their pricing models actually match what their customers can pay. It needs to go back to the free market. This doesn't work at all. But you know what? It's amazing to me that this guy can say, hey, let's make sure we can pay for this before we promise it. And little lady up in Washington, flexing her muscles, saying, that's not good enough. Yeah, who cares what you think, AOC? All right, so for my final little bit today, I wanted to um, introduce a new segment, one that may be weekly, unless I run out of things to say. Uh, it may be bi-weekly. We'll see. We'll feel it out. But it's going to be called the Red Pill of the Week. So I want to go through some different verified conspiracies, good examples that we might get into later, MK Ultra, Operation Paperclip, 
things like that. Uh, so what is out there that is verifiable that shows the government as having enmity towards the people? What can we look at? What can shake us free of some of our preconceived notions when it comes to the state, police, the feds, etc. So I want to start off by telling you a, a little story about the night that Philadelphia was given the name the city that bombed itself. MOVE is a black liberation movement of anarcho-primitivists out of West Philadelphia. They've been active since 1972. The name MOVE, although it's in all caps, is not an acronym. They were named after what they were intended to do, which is to literally move. Uh, as the founder, John Africa, said, everything that's alive moves. If it didn't, it would be stagnant, dead. And when members of MOVE greet each other, they say, on the move. Uh, but yeah, so MOVE was kind of a mix of black power and flower power. Uh, it was actually once, before it was called MOVE, it was called the Christian Movement for Life. Uh, these guys, they adopted dreadlocks like the Rastafarians. Uh, they, had, they, were green, they were into green politics, animal rights. They openly opposed science, medicine, technology, and they sought to return to a hunter-gatherer society. They actually believe that all living things are equally important, and all these people changed their last name to Africa to show reverence for their mother continent. So MOVE was very outward in their beliefs. They demonstrated against puppy mills, zoos, circuses, and any form of quote-unquote enslaved animals. As Del Africa, one of the members put it, they refused to bow down to this murderous, racist, sexist, rotten-ass system. They protested Three Mile Island's nuclear power plant, industrial pollution, and police brutality. And MOVE was well acquainted with police brutality. MOVE liked to share their political ideology via expletives over a bullhorn 24-7. In 1978, after complaints by their neighbors, the police decided to remove them from the house that they lived in, the, their little commune. After some negotiation over time, including letting some of the MOVE members out of jail and them giving up weapons or coming peacefully, etc. Things didn't work out when it came to negotiations, and the police were fed up, and MOVE was unwilling to, ironically, move. So that's when the first standoff with those remaining in that house happened. When the police actually tried to enter the house, gunshots erupted. A policeman was shot in the back of the neck, and he died. Of course... The police blamed the nine remaining members in the house, despite MOVE claiming that they had no operable weapons in the house, and eyewitnesses claiming, you know what, that may have come from behind the police officer. It may have actually come from another police officer. Could have been friendly fire. Those nine people were charged with third-degree murder. Fast forward to today. Two of the nine died in prison. Two of them are still in prison, and the rest spent an average of 40 years behind bars before they were let go. However, in 1985, after MOVE had moved into a new house, the same complaints started coming in from neighbors. There was too much trash. The bullhorn was being used to shout their expletive-filled messages, and confrontations naturally happened between the members of MOVE and their neighbors. Eventually, though, about three weeks before the city burned itself down, the bullhorn died. But the police and the neighbors were still unhappy. The police obtained arrest warrants for four of the residents of the new house, and the police commissioner named MOVE a terrorist organization. The police decided they were going to do a siege this time. And as you know from Waco, anytime the government decides to do a siege, they're not too worried about collateral damage or children. This was a proto-Waco. The police evacuated the rest of the neighborhood in preparation for this siege, which is odd 
when you hear what happens. It's almost like they thought it through. On Monday, May 13th, 1985, nearly 500 police officers and the city manager attempted to clear the building and execute the arrest warrants. That's right, 500 cops showed up. Uh, They turned off the water to the house, they turned off the power, and they tried to get the move people to come out that way. But again, move didn't move. They stood their ground, and this time, they had weapons. There was an armed standoff. The police lobbed tear gas at the building, Move shot back. The police actually went through somewhere around 10,000 rounds of ammunition at the house. But Move didn't move. That's, that's when the police decided to do something drastic. Instead of using tanks to burn down their compound, they decided to be even more like blatantly deliberate about what they were going to do. They dropped two one-pound Tovex bombs. Tovex is a dynamite substitute. Um, They dropped this on the roof of the house targeting what they called a bunker-like cubicle. The explosions, believe it or not, started a fire when it reached a gasoline-powered generator on the rooftop. The police actually held back the firefighters from stopping the fire at the Move house because they were afraid that Move would shoot at the firefighters. Okay? But the fire spread, and it destroyed that house. But it didn't just destroy that house. It destroyed around 65 neighboring houses. 11 people, including 5 children, died that day. Regardless of the warrants out for contempt of court, possession of firearms, alleged terrorist threats, or whatever the the police had on move, I find it hard to justify dropping bombs on a house in the middle of a city. I mean, I find it hard to justify subsequently burning down, or at least not stopping the burning down of 65 houses that other people owned due to people and the police's distaste for expletive-laced bullhorn politics. I find it hard to justify the deaths of children over a handful of warrants. I can't find that justification, can you? I mean, say what you will about MOVE, disagree with them, be annoyed by them, want them out of your neighborhood. I mean, for God's sake, talk to each other. Find out better ways to handle them or to physically remove them from their house. But don't kill the kids, man. What? The state does not like being challenged physically or politically. They will do what they can to shut you up if you pose any sort of threat or if you annoy your neighbors enough. They're going to use the police, the arm of the state, the sword of the state, who are allegedly there to protect and serve. And they're going to use those police to drop bombs on houses, on your house, or drive a tank through your front door just because you're too loud, because you don't agree with, with everyone on your street. But don't worry, don't worry. In 1996, a federal jury ordered the city to pay a $1.5 million civil suit judgment to survivor Ramona Africa and relatives of two people killed in the bombing. The jury found that the city used excessive force and violated the members' constitutional protections against unreasonable search and seizure. I'm sure that $1.5 million in blood money was able to bring all those kids, all those adults, just right back to life. (sighs) All right, so there's your red pill. Don't take the whole bottle. Well, that's what I have for you today. I hope you stuck around and and listened. Maybe you learned something. Maybe you laughed with me. I don't know. If you'd like to uh, shoot a message over to me, give me a little constructive feedback, just whatever social media you're on, type in This Is MLGA. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm there to to make comments and and troll and make some memes. Come find me. Our website, thisismlga.com. The MLGA Network website, 
mlginetwork.com, where you can find Technoagris. Thank you for your servers, Voluntary Vixens, The Morning Drive with David. I think that's all. For now, I have a little secret. I'm working on a little something. You're going to have something new, hopefully very soon. But with that, thank you for listening. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy you're with us. Stay sane. Yeah.